Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 413 of the FCPA Compliance Report. Today, I have with me Scott Schaefer and Tom Englehart from the Kreller Group. We talk about the need for the human element in due diligence. First, have you ever wanted to start a podcast but really had no idea how to begin? Well, listen to a message from our sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In this episode, we take a deep dive into investigative due diligence. We consider how far back you need to peel the onion. What are some of the high-risk factors which can point for the need for enhanced due diligence? How does the risk outweigh the reward? What is granular research in enhanced due diligence? And finally, the risk-reward continuum is always a daily question that the compliance practitioner faces. How should you deal with it? I know you'll find this episode very interesting and useful going forward. The FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode, and you're in for a real double treat today because I have with me Scott Schaefer, who is the Managing Director at Kreller, and Tom Englehart, uh, the Director of Global Investigations at Kreller, to talk to us about one of my favorite subjects and certainly one of their favorite subjects, due diligence. So, gentlemen, first of all, uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today and welcome. Thanks, Tom. You know, I do want to take a moment to thank you for inviting us uh, on the podcast. Uh, we appreciate it. So I've certainly wanted to, to have you guys on for, for quite some time. Scott is and Tom are both well-known in the compliance community. Scott wrote an article that really struck me and has stuck with me uh, since he wrote it uh, for the FCPA blog, where he contributes from time to time, entitled, Due Diligence Will Always Be a Human Skill. And I I wanted to get you guys on uh, the podcast to talk about that, certainly in the context of what Kreller does, but much more importantly, uh, in the ever-growing and ever-burdensome area of due diligence where companies are trying to move to a technological solution only, why that I think the three of us believe a technological solution only will never um, be the sufficient way to go. So so, uh, with that, could you maybe describe a little bit about uh, what you guys do and what Kreller does? Be happy to. Thanks again, Tom. Uh, This is Tom Englehart. Uh, You know, Kreller has been involved in in, – as a licensed private investigative agency for over 28 years. Uh, during that time, we've conducted over half a million investigations. Uh, we have re- representation in over 200 jurisdictions, 350 plus agents worldwide, um, and, and and we typically uh, work in the FCPA anti-bribery slash corruption area. Uh, whether it be a need for international compliance or uh, investigations related to intellectual property or franchise vetting or ethical sourcing, mergers and acquisition, I could go on and on and on. But just about every iteration of investigations, business investigations, we provide and have done so for, again, nearly uh, nearly 30 years. 
Yeah, and to, to add to Tom's comments, is we've we focused in that time primarily on the enhanced due diligence space. Tom, as, as you mentioned, where everybody's going to a, um, or at least approaching a technological um, solution is a one-size-fits-all approach to due diligence. We've, we've been steadfast in our conversations to focus on that the, the solutions and the databases and the immediate data is helpful at the onset, but it only addresses a small portion of what I consider a, a much larger pool of what's required in the, in the due diligence realm. So one of the things that really um, led me to want to have you guys on is we had two pretty significant FCPA enforcement actions this year, which focused on due diligence and the need for really robust or, as you just called it, enhanced due diligence, Scott. Uh, the first one was the Kinross case, uh, relatively small fine and penalty uh, yet uh, some significant uh, missteps in due diligence. And the second one was Panasonic Avionics, which was a much higher fine. But once again, we found uh, some pretty significant, uh, if not missteps, certainly holes in the ongoing due diligence process. So, Scott, I, I really wanted to, to start with you and, and ask about the Kinross case. Uh, here okay. we had a, a politically well-connected third-party consultant to facilitate contracts and yet he somehow slipped through the cracks. So could maybe use that uh, as an entree to explain um, what enhanced due diligence is and why it's so important. Certainly. And, and you know, what, what's, what's interesting about the Kinross case is within their internal compliance program and their internal controls, they had a stipulation that anybody that would fit a high-risk category or high-risk profile is a third-party intermediary should go through a level of due diligence that includes credit reports, sanctions watch list, reference checks, in-field local reputational inquiries, as well as an advanced asset search on their intermediary. So they, they had it correct, and their policy and their program had it stated. In the case with Kinross, they purchased mines, um, one of which was in Ghana, one of which was in uh, Mauritania, that are both high-risk jurisdictions. They engaged a politically connected agent to assist them in obtaining high-level government contracts in highly corrupt countries, and they paid them a fairly substantial commission fee. And at some point in the process, they chose to ignore their own internal policies, which, which focused on enhanced due diligence. And that, that's what ultimately got them in trouble. So somewhere along the process, their, inner control, their internal controls failed. And they, they missed the opportunity to uncover those red, red flags that would have shown up, I would imagine, in an enhanced due diligence report. And then on the Panasonic Avionics case, uh, we had uh, third parties who were going to go through the uh, due diligence process, and then they... Um, they either knew they couldn't get through it or the company knew they couldn't get through it. And so that process was stopped, uh, and then they were appended to a previously approved agent. So once again, uh, we saw a situation where a company had a policy in place, at least at the first level it worked, but then we had a complete utter failure because uh, there was no follow-up, there was no follow-through, there was no ongoing. How, how, how does the Panasonic avionics case uh, lend itself to a lesson learned for the compliance practitioner around enhanced due diligence? So 
the, the, the Panasonic case is a little more interesting, right? As, as you said, they had, the, they had the policies in place. They had the due diligence in place that um, showed they should terminate these agreements. And what they did is they terminated the, the agreements, and then they circumvented their own system, and they brought them back on as a, as a subcontractor to their contractor in Malaysia that was previously approved. And the, the, the lesson learned in this case is you're not only responsible for your first layer of agents and third parties and distributors, but you're also responsible for that next layer down, right? So you have subcontractors that are working off your contractor. And the, the challenge there in the, in the compliance world is how far do you peel back that onion? And whose responsibility is it ultimately to check out and vet these given subcontractors of your contractor? Because if the contractor comes back to you and says, we're responsible for our subcontractors, I think it's pretty safe to assume that they're not conducting the level of due diligence that a U.S.-based company um, would put into their compliance program. So ultimately, you're as responsible for that contractor as you are for that subcontractor. So I just think that that needed to be uh, dug down a little bit deeper. So uh, both of you guys are the type of uh, professional or your services are the enhanced due diligence. How, how would you say the human element is absolutely critical, if not even mandatory, for an enhanced level of due diligence as opposed to simply a technological solution? Well, you know, from Tom. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And Scott, you can fill in. Uh, you know, there's there's basically risk factors that dictate levels of due diligence. And and let's face it, if if you're contracting with uh, a distributor in Switzerland, uh, you know, you're not likely to have a very high risk profile. Um, however, um, if if you're using a matrix, if you will, to to determine uh, risk. Those components of that, the components of that risk matrix are made up of, you know, the line of business. You know, what services are being provided? Is it an agent? Is it a rep? Is it a distributor? Um, how much money is involved? Uh, the jurisdiction, certainly, uh, or a CPI score, and whether or not there is a government-facing official or a government component. Um, you know, those those four factors, when they risk high which is certainly the case in, in both of, uh, the Panasonic and the Kinross uh, DPAs, uh, it, it demands that you use a human element on the ground in the jurisdiction where that uh, representative is, is, uh, is working on your behalf. Yeah, and, and specifically on, on, on both these cases, right, both of these cases presented a high-risk profile. Right. If just just on their nature, on black and white, if if you would ask any compliance professional to review these two scenarios, a hundred out of a hundred would come back and say they're high risk for 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 multiple factors. And in what was missed in Panasonic and in, in Kinross, that even if they did a low level screening, which I can't speak to if they did or if they didn't, they probably wouldn't have uncovered the issues that 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 were problematic with those relationships. I mean, Panasonic. You know, they, they hired a government official to work on behalf, to, to consult on their behalf to state-owned airlines. Um, and, and the challenge with him was he didn't have the experience or the credentials to do that line of business. I mean, they were ultimately paying somebody, I think it was upwards of seven dollars $800,000 in commission and success fees to somebody that just didn't have the expertise 
to do that level of business, but what he did have was the connections to go about doing it. So what you're trying to determine in the, in the due diligence realm is what red flags are present and what do we do internally to address them? And just by running a name, you know, be it a, be it a principal, be it a company through a database, you're getting, you're getting quick access to um, information. But what you're missing is the granular research, which shows that secondary political exposure that shows they don't have the skill set to, to do it. Or, you know, you're going to litigation or the criminal element in adverse media and, 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 and et cetera that could be found with the, with the boots on the ground and the more enhanced, the more enhanced research. Scott, you wrote a, uh, in in your FCPA blog article, there was a line that really struck me uh, that I really wanted to explore with you, and I'll just read it. It says, quote, when does the risk outweigh the reward? And both you and Tom have talked about uh, perhaps how compliance practitioners should think through whether or not something is high risk. You've talked about the uh, what enhanced due diligence is, but in many times it uh, many times it comes down to cost. How do you help a compliance professional think through that issue and what is the um, reward going forward as opposed to the potential risk? You know, that, that's a dilemma that the, that the compliance world faces on a daily basis. I mean, from, from my standpoint, from Tom's standpoint, it's very easy for me to sit back and say it's very black and white. Right, this is a high-risk engagement. You need to spend the necessary funds to thoroughly vet this third party to make sure that they're not going to potentially do something that could adversely impact your relationship. But it's it's not my money and it's not my budget. So you you have to put a reasonable standard in the compliance world. And, and you know, six years ago, the DOJ and the SEC, when they when when they produced their guidelines, right, and their guidelines were very clear as to the new approach, which is risk-based approach, don't boil the ocean. You know, spend your time, your resources, and your money on those situations that pose the greatest risk. And that's what I convey to my clients on a daily basis is, you know, when, when, when something is routine and commonplace, like Tom mentioned, a, a low-risk distributor in Switzerland you're doing small dollars of volume, uh, volume with, yeah, maybe a screening and a, and, a, and, a, and a quick denied party list and maybe some adverse media is sufficient for that purpose. But, you know, in these situations, when you're dealing with a politically connected um, consultant that's working in a high risk jurisdiction that you're paying that you're paying high commission rates to, it's acting as an agent on your behalf. That ones that require the additional scrutiny, because those are the, those are the ones that could cause the two hundred eighty million dollar fine. The Panasonic saw, and that—that's what you're ultimately trying to sell towards—is trying to prevent, trying to prevent the big miss, which both of these companies could have if they would have followed through with their own internal policies and procedures. Well, you know, if I might add a little here, uh, you know, one of the failings that the Panasonic. Uh, incurred was was by their own hand. Uh, they knew that uh, some of these sub-agents uh, were not going to pass muster, and therefore they hired an agent that would pass to, to go ahead and hire these subcontractors that, that, um, uh, that again, shouldn't have been part of the landscape without a full uh, due diligence review. So, gentlemen, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I did want to ask if listeners wanted additional information, uh, where could they go to find out uh, both about 
the services of Kreller and about you guys. Thanks, Tom. You could certainly come to our website, which is www.kreller.com, K-R-E-L-L-E-R. And my personal email address is schaefer, so S-S-H-A-F-F-E-R, at kreller.com. And Tom? Yes, T. Engelhart, T-E-N-G-E-L-H-A-R-T, at kreller.com. Well, gentlemen, uh, this has been a fascinating exploration of really what the human skill and element is in due diligence and why, frankly, I think it's always going to be there. So, Scott, uh, thanks for actually you know, putting this out on the FCPA blog. I think it's generated a lot of uh, uh, conversation, and uh, I look forward to your next posting. And, Tom, look forward to seeing you again soon as well. Thanks right, so Thank much, you, Tom. Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. We will link to Scott Schaefer's article on the human need for due diligence in the FCPA blog in our show notes. So check those out. I know you'll find them interesting. I hope you'll join me again next week where we have another FCPA compliance-related topic. This podcast, the FCPA Compliance Report, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.